Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Routine Town Hall Meetings, Part 2. Here we go. Tell me about um, the logistics and physical space. Yeah. I mentioned earlier about physical space being a factor for skip levels, but bigger bigger rooms and bigger audiences are fine. And from the standpoint of scheduling and efficiency and the singularity of your message, right, saying not having to say the same thing 50 times, you only have to say it five or six times, is way better. But look, you get to a bigger room and, and most people say, oh, it's just a meeting. And it's not really just a meeting anymore when you've got 100 people in a room. Most of you are going to need a microphone. I don't, but you don't speak every week like I do. You're probably going to want a lavalier microphone, a lapel microphone that's wireless, but that sometimes takes weeks with your IT department to set up. You may feel you need a podium to stand on. Uh, I hate podiums. I think they shall be turned into firewood and put in my fireplace at this time of year, but some people like to anchor themselves to it with white knuckles at the side. And if that's the place you're going to start and you can you can actually talk to 200 people while standing white knuckled at a podium, okay, fine, start there. But if you give three or four of these in the next couple of years and you're still standing white-knuckled at a podium, don't ask why you're not a chief administrative officer or a chief operating officer or a chief executive officer because that matters. Your ability to be a compelling public speaker for large groups matters at senior levels of mid to large size organizations. And there are people at the top who are really, really, really effective and are good public speakers and you're not them. And it's really rare. I'm not saying that's the only thing that matters, but it's pretty important. So you, you may need a microphone. If you have to be behind a podium, obviously it makes it's fine to, to use a, a handheld microphone or a podium-based one. You know, some, some of you may feel that you want to be on a stage. Okay, I don't recommend them generally. But if you put 300 people in a room, depending upon the room size and whether or not there's a – whether it has an amphitheater feel or whether it's flat, 300 people is big enough that the people in the back can't see you if you're not on stage in part because they're having to look through a bunch of heads that are moving around between you and them. If you are on a stage and you are behind a podium, which is not what I would recommend, but if you choose to do that, I could accept it. And let's say you're not a good speaker, which I can also accept. It's possible. You better be really well rehearsed. You are going to be as distant from that audience as you can be. And the whole point of being good presenter is about the audience and you're making it harder. The fact that you get no questions at the end of a, a town hall like that is not because you were so perfectly complete in your speech. No, really? <laughs> it's just, no, it's just the audience hates you so much. So now they're ready to do anything to cut short the agony. You could call it the coyote bad speech. They'd gnaw off their leg if it fell asleep, if they could get them out of the get themselves out of the room <laughs> without waking it up. And that's what they do. People say, oh, it's pretty good. I only got a couple of questions. It must be good. Oh my God. No, you're the worst ever. You're the worst ever. And the podium, there are crinkles in the side where you gripped it so tightly, and you think you're so good, they could tell you were scared to death, and you didn't know your material. Yeah, and if you're not getting any audience interaction, you, you might as well just you might as well just yeah. record a video and send it to folks, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hi, this is your town hall. <laughs> now, look, let, let's talk a little bit about planning and attendance. I hate to say it, folks, but the way to go is do to do signups. Have managers ask their folks, their directs to sign up and then send you the team list. And it's not really hard to combine them, right? To see who's supposed to be at what meeting. If you don't do signups, 
you're going to end up with half of what you need of the allotment that needs to be at the first meeting at the first meeting. Okay. And you won't be able to say if only half of them were there, but there weren't any signups for particular times, we've got a problem here, right? Because you'd be like, well, nobody signed up. So maybe everybody assumed they'll come to a later one. But then you have a room for 200 and you've got 300 people showing up at the last meeting. No, people aren't going to do that. They're just not going to come. If you don't have them sign up for a particular meeting, they're just not going to come. They'll say, I'm just going to a later one. And then on the last one, they'll say, I'm going to a later one because I've got an urgent meeting I have to make now. And you say, there isn't a later one. And they go, oh, sorry. And they're not, by the way, just so you know, they're fibbing. They're not sorry. They just think they got one over on you. But look, if you only have 20 people show up at the first meeting when you're expecting 100, <laughs> it's not that they're coming to a later meeting. It's that people are blowing you off. So have them sign up for a particular meeting. That said, there is another way that I've used that works, but you really have to want to do it. And it's not foolproof, but it's an interesting technique uh, in a little bit of a different way. Don't have signups, but tell managers you're holding them accountable for getting every one of their people there. And then at the end, ask them to report on who was there and who wasn't. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's an ethics loophole here. They could choose to lie to you and say, oh, my guys were there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, but if you want to close that loop a little bit, just ask them to send you an email with everyone on their team who attended. And and if you want, say, which one did they attend, right? And I promise you, your worst managers will have the lowest attendance. And some manager will say, a couple of my guys didn't come. And when you ask them, hey, wasn't it clear? Oh, yeah, some came up. Hey, come by and see me sometime next week. I'm not going to give you negative feedback, I promise. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, don't do that anymore. And again, folks, if this is the first cast you're ever listening to, we wish you could have listened to the previous 500 or so because we really believe you ought to know your people well, and we don't believe that you ought to assert yourself with power very often. But we do think you have power for a reason, and if you use it rarely and carefully, it serves your purposes brilliantly. Uh, power is inversely, role power is inversely proportional to how often you feel you have to use it. But if you use it rarely, when you use it, it has a very big impact. Okay, so I've been to town halls that been four hours long. I kid you not. Oh my God, four. Yeah. Oh my God. And it was Dog it and was, Pony Show. It was awful. It was awful. So, and I've been to them, I've been to some that were um, about 30 minutes long. I was like, what? The 30, I knew you were going to say 30 minutes. I've seen those too, and they're just a joke. It's yeah, just it, like, it, it, yeah. Just, it doesn't make sense given all the logistics involved and all that. So, so okay, so what's a good planning number for folks in terms of how long they should be? Good question. Look, unless you're a great speaker or you have an enormously important idea that you've got to share that's somewhat complex, 90 is about as long as anyone can be useful in a big meeting, 90 minutes. It's possible you'll have to go longer, but folks, just do so with some caution right? Think twice, know the dangers. You're going to start losing people. You just will. If you're like every other manager we've met in the last six years, and you're not good at managing time and an agenda, I'm overstating it to make a point, folks. I'm not. I know there are a few of you. I think there are seven actually that I've met that can run a meeting. If you're not good at managing time and an agenda, and it's a three-hour meeting, everybody already knows you're not good at keeping to agendas. They're going to dread the town hall. Uh, in fact, you could argue that's where premeditated murder was invented. Somebody knowing they were having to go to three-hour town hall that turned in. Knew, they knew full well it was going to be six, and they just figured, well, I'll kill him. Three-hour meetings that go for four hours are, frankly, juvenile and amateurish. 
And I've said it before many times, that kind of process failure infects your message. Bad process corrupts content. And if it does it in front of hundreds and it's a meeting that you ought to know how to run if you've got a four or five layer organization, you look foolish doing it. So no more than 90 minutes. One exception that might come up is you might have somebody else addressing the group. You may have to add 15 minutes or so to allow for that, for introductions and for them to have a few minutes. I mean, you could easily have a, a guest speaker, uh, but when you hear the agenda we're about to share, you'll see that it's not as much time. An hour, 90-minute meeting is not as much time as you think it is to, to cover stuff uh, when you're going to do 30 minutes of questions. But there are times when it makes sense to have somebody else come speak, a senior person who asks. And, and usually the answer to that is, duh. If a senior person asks, you say, yeah. But frankly, folks, sometimes you can say no. Okay, but if the CEO asks and she's five levels above you, she's actually not asking. <laughs> she's telling really? you, I'm going to take over your meeting and you're going to say, yes, ma'am. Okay. You could say no to a senior, a more senior person. Somebody, If a, somebody a couple levels up says, hey, you're having a town hall. I'd love to come over and talk. Say no. Because what they want is a chance to make their job easier. And this is your opportunity to lead your organization. You don't have to be doling out portions of your meeting to other people. Don't do it. Particularly if you're not certain, you're not willing to rehearse them to make sure it's good. Well, this is like the right of first refusal, right? You can say no, and then say, no, Mark, really, I need to come talk to your organization. Well, can then you roll over, but... So I, I don't think you're, you're not saying, I, I hope you're not saying fall on your sword over this, but it's simply no, just, be no. just be willing to say no at least once. Yeah, that's a really great, great okay, point. They'll let you know. And look, here, here's what I would do. If somebody insisted and I wasn't sure that their message was what I needed it to be, I'd run my 90-minute town hall and then at the end of the 30-minute question and answer session, I'd turn it over to them. Yeah, And I'd let yeah. them come in 50 minutes early and see me answering questions from the audience. The only downside of that is if you're not certain that the audience will ask you questions for that long. Now, if a customer or a vendor could be helpful to your message and you want to invite them, that's okay. And by the way, we'll have guidance about that at some other time, but people don't seem to know how to do that. Just know the big mistake is under-preparing that person. It actually shows respect for your organization. Some presenters, guest presenters, don't want to be prepared. Well, tough cookies, folks. You're going to talk to my organization, you're going to be prepared. It shows respect for your organization to insist on practice and on tight timing and so on. So don't allow them to just wing it. And if they say, oh, I'm a good natural speaker, yeah, okay. I just don't know any really, really good natural speakers. I know people who think they're naturals who also think they're really good, but that's not the same thing as being a really good speaker. And look, if somebody wants 30 minutes, unless he or she's the CEO, say no. And as Mike says, keep in mind the right of first refusal. This is your meeting. Someone else taking 30 minutes, talking for 30 minutes, who isn't a known quantity, means this is no longer your town hall. And there's nothing wrong with having a meeting where somebody else gets to talk, but a town hall is not a guest speaker forum. It's not. And you shouldn't go looking for guest speakers. Now you mentioned questions, and I think you actually said 30 minutes for questions. So tell me yeah. about that. Is, that. is that important? Is that necessary? Do you have to do it? Yeah, huge, huge. What if it's difficult? They might ask me difficult questions. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Then you're not ready. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's, it reminds me of, you know, what's that? It's a wheel I steal the world with. Can I give it a try? Sure. Where do I sit? How much do I get? When's lunch? When can I quit? Give me back my wheel. You're not ready yet. If you're not ready to answer questions in front of your organization, you need to wear long pants to work. Start wearing long pants to work and grow up a little bit. What happens too often is that questions are not included and people just feel talked at. And folks, we, we share this often at conferences about how easy it is to communicate downward in an organization. It's easy for you to talk downward. It really is. And it's much harder for people to talk upwards. And if they have to sit for an hour and listen to you talk, if you're not really good at answering questions that come on the fly, and by the way, we encourage that when you're speaking to answer questions on the fly. We're not saying you should hold questions to the end, but if you're not good at it and you don't allow time for questions, people are going to quickly get turned off by your town hall. Town halls inherently have an interactive portion, right? It's not just a speech. Right. And, and be professional about it. If you say you're going to give 30 minutes at the end, end of the town hall for questions, then make sure you got 30 minutes for them. Don't run long and then give them 10 minutes and think you did your job. Yeah, look, here's what you do. If you're 20 minutes into a presentation, let's say you're in the, you're, you, at the bottom of the hour, you start talking about the next six months of the organization. You're 30 minutes into the, into the one and a half hours and on the agenda that you're supposed to talk about the future. And, and your 30 minutes are up now. It's the top of the hour. You've talked for 30 minutes and you have 10 more minutes to go. At that point, you would look at the audience. You say, I apologize. I'm not done with my slides, but I promised you 30 minutes. And so for questions, and so I'm going to stop and I regret it. And I have one more slide and it would take about 10 minutes. I'm not going to do it. We'll cover that in a minute or we'll, I'll, I'll send out the deck later and I'll, I'll cover the key points and in, in the notes of that slide. But right now I promise you 30 minutes of questions and I'm going to give you 30 minutes of questions. It's not that easy if you have a big customer talking or if you have a senior person talking. Right. It'd be a shame if there were two or three burning questions, you know, the, the big elephants in the room that you didn't address they're the burning questions this particular organization, particularly if it's a large organization, and maybe it's, you know, maybe you're based in D.C. and this is down in Atlanta. They have different things yeah. going on down there. It'd be a shame they have an opportunity to hear from you, your opinion about something or what you think about a particular topic. You use up all the time, and they never get a chance to ask that question yeah. while you're there. That'd be a total shame. Now, let, me, let me ask you a different question because – I'm curious what you think, uh, and I'll, t I'll tell you what I think, and you can tell me I I'm wrong if you if you care to. I've seen <laughs> town halls before Never. where the executive running the town hall tried to limit the questions to a particular topic area. Said, "Hey, I, want, I like questions from you, but yeah. let's please keep it to this particular topic." And I always, yeah, I, I just thought that was a, a bad approach. The way I've done it is, you know, any question you have a question, I I want to hear it and I want a chance to answer it. Yeah. So, what, what are your thoughts? Dude, the there? moment you do that, the moment you say we're only talking about what I want to talk about, you might as well just shut the whole audience up. Now, look, if you're giving a presentation on salary calculation changes, they don't get to ask about layoffs, but during the open Q and A session in the last, they can ask whatever they want to ask about. If you've gotten 10 questions about salaries and then somebody says, can I talk about corporate realignment for a minute? You say, sure. And if the next person starts asking about salary again, you may choose to say, look, it looks like there's a lot of questions about salary. I'll be happy to do another one of these in a couple of months and we can take more questions. Or if you, any questions at all that we don't get to today, I will answer them by email and let's, let's put the ones around salary at the top of the list. I think that's fine. But yeah, huge mistake 
to say the questions can only be about my selected topic because you will literally shut down an audience. Yeah. They will just say, well, I, you know, fine. You're not really here to talk to us. This isn't a town hall. This is a presentation. I mean, a town hall is something. It is an interactive forum. It can't be a wholly interactive. It can't be completely interactive because you have 200 people in a room and you, by definition, that's not going to be totally interactive. Well, if you're not, if it's not interactive, it's not a town hall. It's a speech. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call it or a presentation. Yeah, exactly. Let's just call it that. Yeah. Now, you mentioned answering questions by, by email. I've been to several town halls, and actually, this, this one gentleman I used to work for was very, very good at it. And after the town hall, he had he had somebody taking notes during during the town hall, and he sent out by email all his answers that he had given during the town hall. Yep. He liked yep. that. He okay. had him. He had him. He had his admin or somebody put them all together and mm-hmm. sent them to him, and he edited them a little bit. He wrote them down and transcribed. They got all transcribed, and he sent them all of the answers. These are, here's the deck, and here are the questions I got in all of the meetings I asked. In case you didn't get the question you wanted to ask, ask somebody else asked it in Georgia or in Minneapolis or in the suburbs or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And that is, people will just be like, wow, I get to read every question that was asked by every group. I promise you that will be one of the most read emails in the next three to six months in your organization. People want to know it's open forum. It's And it, it, it's very reminiscent of something I've been at a GE workout meeting and, and uh, the sense of holding senior people accountable for having answers is really powerful. And if you're seen as dodging that accountability, it affects your credibility. Right. But if you stand up and answer questions, even if the questions are difficult and you do your best, even if you don't have a great answer, people will admire you for it forever. Absolutely. I, actually, I thought there were two really cool things about it when talking to Mike. His name was Mike as well. One of them was that, you know, because the organization was fairly geographic, you know, it just burst across literally the world. So there was, you know, a question that was in D.C. It, the same question might exist in Sacramento, but they never got a chance to ask it. So he wanted to document. The other thing that I thought was particularly insightful is he said, you know, I got to ask this question in the town hall. I'm going to send out all my answers in writing anyways, but I didn't answer it really well. Right, I wasn't as crisp yeah. as I could have been. I left off some key yeah, points. Yeah, he edited them. Yeah. And so he edited it and added information and just learned from the experience, learned when he did it poorly, and it actually produced yeah. more value for those folks that had actually even been there for that particular question and answer. Yeah, agreed totally. That's classy. That's a very classy way to do it. Um, that comes only from somebody who's totally self-secure. And that's what people want in their leaders, right? And look, I could talk for hours. We could talk for hours about how to handle questions. We've actually discussed it at one very minuscule level years ago. We're going to have plenty more to say. I'm sure at some point we'll have 50 casts about presentation skills. The key to this is being willing to answer every question. And if you don't know the answer, commit to posting them or emailing everybody an answer. I will give you a little trick, folks. Um, This is a very small trick, but it's one of my favorites. One of my favorite techniques is that I'm going to tell you exactly how to answer every single time the question that starts with, don't you think, though, the moment a questioner says, don't you think, though, you can immediately stop listening. Just stop listening. And they'll go, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, you're done. You look right at them. You say, thank you. No. And you say, next question. Because every time they say, don't you think, though, they're trying to convince you that they're actually right and that you're wrong or that they have a different point of view. And so you just say, no, it doesn't matter what they say. 
Trust me. <laughs> That's the answer to that question every time. And then, of course, they're very upset because they're thinking by starting with don't you think, though, that they have now got a platform to tell you what they think. But what they've actually done is ask you a question about what you think. And so you can already come up with the answer in advance and you just say no. You've answered the question and you get to move on. And now they realize they've been trumped by somebody who's clearly better at this game than they are. <laughs> right. I'm kidding a little bit, folks. Okay. I'm kidding a little bit. I'm a, a little uh, bit. I speak a lot. <laughs> a little yeah, bit. A little bit. But I've done it a few hundred times. And look, keep in mind, you may get asked questions for which you have an answer, but which you cannot offer to the audience. We've talked about this before, about confidentiality. But in this case, it will just tell you, it's okay to say, I'm sorry, but I'm not a liberty to say. Yes, I do know that answer, and I can't share it with you. Well, you could, but you don't want to. That's fine. I'm an ethical person, so I say can't, but I'll, if, you, if you prefer, I, I'll choose a, a precise answer in a different language, which is I choose not to by honoring a previous commitment that I made. The audience that you want to win over will be won over by an answer like that. Okay? And look, if you run out of time answering questions, that's great. Yeah, of course, if you've spent the full 30 minutes. And look, if you have, and there'll still be one, encourage them to send you emails to your admin or even to you, which you'll post or distro out to everybody after all the meetings have occurred. Don't send out emails after each one. Here are the questions we got here. Here are the questions we got here. Don't do that. Then people will not ask questions at the last three or four meetings. Oh, we got all the questions. Those are the ones we want answered. And look, if you run out of questions, if you started on time, that's also great. You get to end a little bit early. That's fine. And then remember what all speakers know, which is own your opening and own your closing. Know what you're going to say, something short, probably something pithy, and then you're going to adjourn the meeting. So it might sound like this. Great questions, everybody. Thanks. It's a privilege to work with you all. And I don't tell you often enough how well you do your work. Thank you. Keep it up. Meeting adjourned. By the way, those short two or three word sentences at the end are a great way to end. People really like short declarative sentences, particularly from somebody with a microphone in front of a large audience. How about handouts? Is that appropriate to, to have handouts, copy the slides, et cetera? I'm in favor of handouts. You, you got a hundred bucks? Give me, give me a handout. Bucks. That'd be great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Look, here's the point we're making. For a change town hall, you may not send anything out in advance. But for a routine town hall, no sense in not sharing everybody the agenda, the major topics, give them all a deck, and then follow the deck in your presentation. Okay? Now, the beauty of that is it's normal in most organizations, most companies, to have a deck for a presentation like this, and it'll provide them some continuity. I suppose insofar as your deck is a good deck, try to keep in mind one slide every 10 minutes. It's not a pure rule, folks, but it's a good overall rule. If your presentation has 20 slides and you have 60 minutes of discussion, because the 30 minutes doesn't count, the thir last 30 of your 90, so you only have 60 minutes. If you have 20 slides, you either have too many slides, and that's what we bet the problem is. You have too much stuff for a group this big it, that you can cover in 60 minutes, or you have not enough time, which probably means you're doing this in the wrong venue with too many people and the wrong, wrong type of meeting. So if you don't count your cover slide, maybe you're going to have six or seven slides for a 90-minute town hall, the last 30 minutes with are going to be questions. Maybe you have 10 at most if one or two of them are specific graphics. And by graphics, I don't mean pictures of Excel spreadsheets. And potentially if you have one in there with the agenda, which I wouldn't count that as a slide. 
Yeah. So you would have handouts and you don't have to send it to them in advance and tell them to print it out. I wouldn't send it to them in advance. I just have it on every, pick up a deck at the door or pick up a deck. There's a deck on every chair. Nothing wrong with that at all. You'd include the agenda in the deck, I assume. Yeah, sure. Agendas are easy. Here's one. Um, now, yours may be different, folks. We just provide this one as a good rough start. A lot of people start put down start to put down pen to paper for an agenda like, oh my gosh, what, what should I do? Well, here's what you should do. You put down zero hour, zero minute, welcome and purpose. And then at five minutes after the hour, you put down agenda and ground rules and you cover the agenda and you go over the basic ground rules. And because it usually takes too long in an hour and a half long meeting like this to facilitate the ground rules the way we've shared earlier, you could list, it's totally fine for you to list some of the ground rules here rather than asking the audience to facilitate them and have them come up with them. So you would write down things like start on time, or you could have a slide that says start on time, finish on time. Any question, anytime is okay. Uh, we'll have a parking lot, those kind of things. At 10 after the hour, you put down, so O colon 10, business review. And, you know, as best you can, you're going to talk about the past six months or so in terms of successes for the business and or for your organization, maybe how your organization's successes relate to the organization as a whole. And the more you can connect your organization to the larger company or whatever the large organization is, the better. If you can point out specific people who contributed notably in the last six months, do so. And they'll be ribbed a little bit by their friends, but it'll be a big plus for them. And they'll probably mention it in their interview review with their boss. And then at the bottom of the hour, so you're at 030 now, you talk about future plans and projects. What's coming up in terms of key efforts for the organization, how everything fits together. If a new product or a new service is coming online or a new process even, that's a good topic. It could be. You don't want to get too far down in the weeds. You don't have that much time. You only have 30 minutes. If someone in your organization is going to lead a new process, one of your directs, and maybe even one of your directs directs, depending on how big an organization you have, and you want to highlight that person, and you can get him ready to address everyone so that he can do it at a level that you don't lose your audience, then you could allow him to talk for maybe 10 minutes. But I will tell you, you better be willing to work it with that person and getting them ready. And if they only have 10 minutes, you should hear their presentation five or 10 times before they ever get on stage. That's how these things run effortlessly. That's why people say, wow, that was awesome. It was like clockwork. Yeah, we busted our butt before we ever got in there, right? It's just like a pre-wire. You're pre-wiring the presentation with preparation. And then at an hour into the meeting, you have time for questions. And an hour and 30 minutes after you started, you close. That's it. There's really only a couple of big items on the agenda if you take away the questions. Yeah, it doesn't seem that long or complicated, actually. Yeah, it's not like you have to fill it up with 90 minutes worth of stuff. And I would recommend you take a final draft or whatever you come up with. And look, if it were me, and I had never done one of these before, and I was listening to a podcast that seemed reasonably intelligent, and I had some experience with these guys, and they seemed like pretty good guys, and they were willing to give it to me for free, I'd say, I'd take it to my guys and say, here's our agenda, and I'd just steal this one. And then tweak it five minutes this way or that. And then find out what works or what doesn't work the first time. Something's going to go wrong in your first town hall. But it won't be this agenda. Yeah. I guess one thing that could go wrong is you don't start on time. You can't get to your agenda. Right? And you send all sorts of bad messages, right? I'm amazed by this. I mean, it's funny. We go to clients and say, you know, I say, I'm going to start right at eight. Oh, we don't start. Guy says, we're big fans. I've been listening for years. I love your stuff. Okay, good. So I'll be starting right at eight. Well, really? We're going to debate this? Yeah, don't wait for people. Start. Okay. When you start that first one, word's going to get out that you start all of them on time, even if the culture in your company is not to start them on time. Even if you're only having one of them. 
and everyone is always late to everything. Starting on time is a matter of respect for the final 30 minutes for the open Q&A that you're going to host. That you may think is no big deal, but trust me, there are people in your organization who will be stunned because none of their leaders have ever stood in front of them and said any question is technically okay. Go ahead and ask. Once you start on time, people will quickly stream in. The word will get around pretty quickly during the welcome purpose agenda and ground rules. And that's part of the reason why the administrative stuff takes up five to 10 minutes the first part of the meeting. So people who are coming in late aren't missing the meat of the meeting. Well, here's, here's an experiment. If, you're, if your meetings always start late and you're, you have large enough for an organization, they're geographically dispersed, just prove it yourself. Just start the first one on time, even if there's only five people in the room, and yeah. see how many of the rest of the meetings across, the, across your organization start on time. And it's, it's interesting how that kind of news travels pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. Now, what that means, of course, as many of you know, in order to start a meeting on time, you're going to have to be there well in advance, setting up and getting ready to go. Something is going to go wrong, inevitably it's technology, to soak up all that extra time that you're there a half an hour, 45 minutes early. And fine, if you're done and ready and there's nothing wrong and the lamp on your projector doesn't burn out a minute before, if you're done and ready, pace back and forth and then take your time and greet people as they come in. Don't stand up on the stage and watch them come in as if you're lording your existence over them. Go to the doors and say, hi, welcome, come on in. Hey, it's good to see you again. I'm sorry I forgot your name. If you're five of us up, there's nothing wrong with it. Oh, hi, hi, hi. Hey, nice to see you again. I, I'm looking forward to this. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah, it's it's what great presenters do. They're so ready that when people are starting to come in, you can say hello to them and bond with them because it is all about the audience. And look, it's simple. Be a professional. Be a manager tools manager. Start on time. And that's it. And that's it. That was like old days, 11 points. I mean, wow. I haven't done, we haven't done, I don't think in years we've done a cast that many points. Anyway, uh, the key points. You do routine town halls for organizations with three or more levels and everybody attends. Today we talked about routine town halls, but there are also change town halls, which are different and a little bit harder and we'll do them separately. You're probably going to hold these only twice a year, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Make sure you hold a couple of routine ones before you hold a change one. Change ones are harder, more tension. More chances for screwing up. It's okay to have big meetings, 100, 150, 200 people, even 500 if you have the space for it. But when your organization is far flung, you're probably going to have to go there and it's worth the travel costs. Physical space may be at a premium, so you're going to have to start thinking about that in advance. You may need a microphone and so on. So be aware of that. And it means there's less connection than there would be in a skip level. So you're going to have to be that much better as a presenter. No longer than 90 minutes. You could get away with 60 minutes, but that means if you do 30 minutes of questions, you're only going to have 30 minutes of agenda time. We do recommend 30 minutes for questions, and we do recommend you have pre-prepared handouts for your routine town halls. We shared our recommended agenda, and please, whatever you do, start on time. Look, your message is not getting out as well as you think it is. And it's not anyone's fault particularly. They're not doing it intentionally. There's filtering that happens when people hear you talk about stuff due to time and space and interest and focus. Town halls reconnect you with the folks that you rely on to produce your organization's success. A manager or a leader who shies away from these because she's not a speaker is going to be seen as not doing her job in some cases. Better to practice on a routine one two or three or four times. And then have your first one be a change one and have it be a disaster when you need it to be flawless in a time of uh, white water in your organization. Hope this helps. Cool. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, partner. All right. We'll see you. 
Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long, folks. <laughs>